0: Don't take the Lord's name in vain. There's worse swear words to drop on the air. But let's, hey, this is a family program, Christian program. We have a large evangelical audience. Let's not, let's let's not be doing that. This is where Wisconsin
1: gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: trade deadline is today was today it was done a little over an hour ago at 3 p.m central time thought maybe the packers i don't know they've been aggressive this year they've been been getting after it a little bit adding veterans making room on their roster to add some experienced players right filling in in depth we got rasul douglas we got jalen smith who was released today but not the point right they brought in the merciless all right we're in on Stephon Gilmore maybe a little bit. Maybe this, this is the trade deadline. baby. This, this is the year. We're going to add a tight end. Maybe trade for Evan Ingram. Now that Robert Tunyon is hurt. Uh, they did not, which I'm sure shocks all Packers fans. They did, however, make a switch at long snapper, which is there could not be a more Packer thing to do today. It's like, hey, I know what we should do on trade deadline day. Fans want a new tight end. Yep. Fans want another corner. You know, what we should do. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. We're gonna make a switch at long snapper. Hunter Bradley out. We can be better. We're always, always striving to be better. Damn long snapper! They're trolling us, right? The Packers are trolling us. They know we're all checking our phones, looking at Twitter, seeing if the Packers are making moves. And they're like, "This would be a good time. Drop the news. Drop it. Break it. Leak it. Make it a move. New long snapper. Always striving to get better. God." Of course they did something with their long snapper. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. A relatively uneventful trade deadline. There were some moves here and there. The big one was Von Miller yesterday, and we talked about that on yesterday's show, but nothing too crazy today. Some smaller moves. Fifth, sixth round picks being thrown around, but Fletcher Cox wasn't traded. Evan Ingram wasn't traded. Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't traded. Because of course they weren't traded because nobody ever gets traded like that on NFL trade deadline day, right? We always hype it up like it's this big thing. And it never really is. So I'm not shocked that we don't really have much to talk about to start the show with the trade deadline. You are welcome to text me. Call me. Be a part of the show between now and 6 o'clock. The number, 608-796-2558. Talking text line. You can tweet me, follow me, block me if you wish. My DMs are open if you want to message me and get on the show that way. At Wisco Grant on Twitter. Yesterday we started the show talking about the Vikings who lost to Cooper Rush, which I'm sorry Vikings fans, is interesting. That's a juicy topic. That's something I can sink my teeth into and talk about for 15 minutes, 20 minutes to start the show. Okay? Sorry. It was interesting. Last night, the Giants and the Chiefs played a game of American football on ESPN, and it was not good American Football. And I know what you're I know what you're thinking. Grant, stop. The, the Giants stunk it up on national TV? No. Yeah, I know. Right? Knock me over with a feather. I'm shocked as well. Never seen it before. The Giants are always bad on TV. National TV. Put them on Sunday night football. Oh God. Put them on Monday night, Thursday night, drone. The Chiefs barely held on winning 2017. The Chiefs were double-digit favorites at home. Extra day of rest. Chiefs get back to five hundred barely. They're 4-4, four and four, and now the Giants are uh, miserable 2-6. and six. I would be okay without watching them a single time the rest of the year. I just don't enjoy watching them. Last night, I don't think a ton of us care about the Giants. Some of us might care about the Chiefs, but the Chiefs right now, I guess the Packers play the Chiefs this weekend, but they're in the AFC, so we don't spend too much time worrying about them. Vikings fans, Bears fans, we don't obsess over the Chiefs. Different conference, maybe in the Super Bowl, but other than the matchup this weekend, which is now looming, we don't worry too much about the Chiefs. So we went into last night really looking for answers. We wanted to know, are the Chiefs really bad? Are they actually bad? Or has this been overblown? Has this been overdone? We went into this game with questions. And I think we came out of the game with more questions than we got answers. I wrote a couple of these questions down that I came out of last night's game with. Number one, this is obvious. Why do we ever put the Giants on TV? Ever. Not national TV. TV in general. We have better things to air. We could run Big Bang Theory reruns. Everybody loves Raymond reruns. Could run anything on the Food Network is better than that. They suck. And they bother me. And they give me a headache. And that's saying something because I'm used to watching Big Ten football. By the way, the Giants are bad. And they've been bad. Their record the last four years to start the season under Dave Gettleman. 1-7, and 2-6, and 1-7, and 2-6. and So actually... In the range of outcomes, this season has actually been better than some of the previous four years, which is mind-boggling considering they're two and six. Another question: When did the Chiefs become a bad watch? They stink. Look at their schedule so far. Some of these games have been kind of fun, but most of them have been really clunky. Early this season, they had some fun ones. We're like, ah, the Chiefs—they're a little sloppy need to focus on the details, but they'll come around and they're fun to watch. They beat the Browns in a wild game. They lost to the Ravens in a one-score game, and they lost to the Chargers in a fluky game, beat up on the Eagles. And then ever since then, it's gotten worse. They got smoked by the Bills. They beat Washington, but who cares? They got smoked by the Titans, and now they barely, barely outlasted the Giants, including a game they trailed in the fourth quarter at Arrowhead. That's nuts. When did the Chiefs become a bad watch? Also, are we sure the Chiefs are good? They look like The 2005 Packers, when Favre looked like he was done and they canned Mike Sherman and they had to strip it down to the studs to start again and that was the year they drafted Rodgers. That's what this reminds me of. Another question, and I say this with all due respect. Is Travis Kelsey washed up? He's getting jammed in the slot by a cornerback last night. Never seen that thing happen. Is he washed? I ask that with all due respect. Travis Kelsey's been a great player for a long time but are we sure he's not nearing the end? Seemingly not the player he was, and he had a fumble last night. Another question I have, and I mean this also with all due respect, but a lot less respect is due to this individual. What does Joe Judge do? What does what he, during games, what, what, is, what is his thing? Is, it, is there something that he does? He's a special teams coach. The Giants special teams are terrible. They had 10 penalties for 88 yards last night. Penalties that extended drives taunting penalties on offense that brought plays back, right? A face mask that was questionable, but that's not the point. The whole game was sloppy. It was unorganized. And in the two-minute, they get smoked. Friend of show, Danny Heifetz, tweeted out this screenshot and this graphic last night. The Giants have been outscored 42 to nothing in the final two minutes of the first half this season. What what, what does Joe Judge do? What is his thing? What is he... What's his story? Because he doesn't really seem to be doing a whole lot of good. He's not calling timeouts when they should be called... He's handing over a ton of win probability when he should be going forward on fourth down and instead he's kicking or punting. I just, I don't know what Joe Judge does. I don't know his story. One final question I got from last night. Why is Lewis Riddick always yelling? I like Lewis Riddick. He's such a good analyst. But you put him in a football booth, he starts yelling all the time. Like Will Farrell. What are we yelling about? It's like, dude, relax, relax. No one really cares that much about this game. Half of the audience is watching the Manning cast. So take a deep breath. This was Riddick always yelling on Monday Night Football. Some of the questions I came with uh, last night. Uh, Really briefly, the NFL trade deadline. Not much to say. The Packers are basically the Celtics of the NFL. They don't make moves. And then after the fact, they're like, well, we were in on that player. We we thought about it. We considered it. We made a call, which is the Danny Ainge special for the last couple of years in Boston. It's like, well, we almost got Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis, but we just, we didn't want to give up Marcus Smart. We couldn't do it. Too rich. can not do it. Rams made the biggest move. They got Von Miller. We talked about that yesterday. We're going to talk more about that coming up right before 5 o'clock. Chiefs made a move today I kind of like. They traded a six-round pick for Melvin Ingram, who's on a one-year deal. Pretty reasonable. Mike Tomlin, this was his quote today. I enjoyed working with Melvin. Just didn't work out the way we envisioned, the way he envisioned. And sometimes in free agency, that's what happens. Culturally that's, why, or culturally, that's why we build our team primarily through the draft. What the team needs is first and foremost. Also, it's better to have volunteers as opposed to hostages. So that's good for the team as well. <laughs> I love Mike Tomlin, man. He's a funny dude. God, it's better to have volunteers than hostages. He doesn't want to be here. All right, fine. So they trade him to the Chiefs for a six-round pick. Good edge rusher. A lot cheaper than Von Miller. And both are rentals for the rest of the year. A six-round pick versus a second and a third. Big defense. Difference, excuse me. There are never as many trades as we think there will be, ever. And leading into the trade deadline, I always see it on Instagram. It's like CBS Sports, a move that every team should make at the trade deadline. I'm like, this ain't baseball. Or everyone's at least adding a reliever, right? I think going in, we expect and analysts always proclaim. It's like, well, these teams should be sellers. Nobody sells in the NFL. If you're even near 500, you're not selling. You're not trading away your good players. That's just not how football works. There's this implication that if you're four and four at the trade deadline, you're supposed to sell your best player. Nah. it's too hard to get good players in the NFL. It's too hard to draft good players. Team could win three in a row. Now they're seven and four, and they're hunting in the six and the seven seed territory. They always say, "Oh, this team should sell. This team should sell." Nobody does that in the NFL. Not a single person does that. It's not baseball. It's not basketball either. There's just not as much movement. So those are a couple of trades. The Packers released their long snapper because, of course, they did the most Packers thing I've ever seen. 608-796-2558. Send me a text. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. Coming up next, we're going to speak with Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, about the Vikings, his Vikings, about his Chiefs, and our Packers. This is the perfect week. This is, this is right in Eric's wheelhouse. He hosts the PFF Forecast Pod. He's a friend of show, recurring guest, and I'm very excited to talk football with him. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bill's on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network,
0: Wisco Sports Show. It's trade deadline day, uh, and the Packers—they did Packers things. They released their long snapper, which I swear Brian Uticans is laughing at us when he does that. He's like, "They're all watching their phones. Watch this. We'll do long snapper things." So, no additions to talk about which I'm okay with. We have plenty to talk about with Monday Night Football last night, Packers Chiefs, and I suppose the Badgers beat Iowa. That's saying we're going to get to that. That might have to wait until. Go, Grant. Find me, Grant Bills, on Twitter. Text me, 608-796-2558. Don't call because we have our friend from Pro Football Focus, Eric Eager, on the horn. You can hear him on the PFF Forecast pod, which is excellent, even if you don't gamble. I don't gamble, but it makes me smarter about the games. Eric, um, I want to do Chiefs and Packers. 'Cause those, that game's definitely in your wheelhouse, but we spent two hours on the Vikings yesterday without the Packers having a game, uh, to talk about. And I was wondering if to start, maybe you had a statement on your hometown Minnesota Vikings.
2: Yeah, I mean they were they were the Vikings, man. Like I grew up watching them lose to like the Rick Myers and the Chad Hutchinsons and the you know, Shane Matthews of the world. Uh you know, Matt Moore, the Chiefs won a Super Bowl because they could arrowhead. Uh-huh. Um you know, got them the, the the 12th win they needed to make the playoffs that year. Um, so it wasn't surprising. I think, you know, I've been very against the Kirk Cousins signing, and I have to say just transparently I'm always, like, a little nervous that I'm wrong because, you know, Kirk has these games where he looks like John Elway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you watch a game like that and you're like, no. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was the, it was that way the whole time. And, you know, unfortunately for Minnesota, you know, Green Bay has won some games that, you know, maybe they shouldn't have won. Uh, you know, the Arizona game uh, comes to mind. The, the San Francisco game comes to mind. Uh, and Minnesota's probably lost some games they should have won. And, and so, in a division where you know Green Bay was the decided favorite going into the year, uh, it's now basically a lock for the Packers.
0: I remember turning the TV off on Sunday night, and I was like, "How?" I, it, it hits me more every time I see this happen to the Vikings because I have a lot of friends and family who are Vikings fans, coworkers, and a lot of them have just kind of quit. They're like, "No, nah, I don't even." I can't watch these games, and now I'm kind of finally understanding. I've always wondered, how do you quit on your team like they're still your team? Well, with games like that, I uh, I start to understand a little bit better. You have now adopted the Chiefs as well. Is that was that when you spent time in Nebraska? Because that's where you went to school. Is that where your Chiefs fandom came from? Yeah, and then I, I moved. You know, my
2: my wife's actually from Yotoma. Know, and so like we we got married. Oh. She was a Packers fan. I was a Vikes fan. So we decided we like a, a team together, and then eventually. You know, that was back in, like, 2010, 2011. Um, and, you know, eventually, like, my, my wife doesn't even like football anymore, even though I chose it as a career. So, like, so, like we, we've we kind of, like, you know, she'll watch a Packers game if it's on. But, uh, you know, and now the Vikings have done so many things that are just downright, you know, silly, and then they don't <laughs> win on the field. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it was a slow drip, but it's, it's, it's basically complete now.
0: Well, before we get to the Chiefs, uh, let's do the Packers half of this matchup. They'll play 3 o'clock this weekend. I'm going to be honest, last Thursday was the most impressed I've been with Rodgers in a long time. He only had 184 yards, but he came into that game, understood the assignment, knew what he had to do, executed the offense, and put them into position to win. They needed a little good luck, but they were also maybe the recipients of some bad lucky moments, too. Maybe it balanced out. I loved what I saw from Rodgers because sometimes I think he just needs to execute the offense and do a little bit less freelancing. Thursday was an amazing example of that. What did you take away watching the Packers beat the Cardinals last Thursday?
2: Yeah, I think Packers fans are really lucky to still have Rodgers in the fold. I think they're even more lucky to have Matt Lafleur as the head coach. Um, when you look at their undefeated record without Devontae Adams, who I think is their best player, mm-hmm. um, you know, it speaks a lot to what Lafleur is. And, I, you know, I think he's a great tactician. I think he calls a great game. Um, I think the ability, and this is an issue, you know, with their upcoming opponent in Kansas City, I think being able to rein in a guy whose early career brilliance was in many ways due to freelancing, build a real in a guy and get him in rhythm, um, throwing the ball in rhythm and really getting him to buy into that sort of structure. I mean, that that's all, you know, he deserves a great deal of credit and, and obviously the results speak for themselves 33 and seven in his first 40 games uh, as a head coach uh, in the regular season. So um, you know, I, I have nothing but admiration for the way Rodgers played the other night. Um, you know, that, that dive at the goal line, obviously they didn't get in, and anybody who yeah. bet the over in that game certainly irritated in that sequence. But, but <laughs> um, but the but, you know, the, the Packers, without m- many of their players, without some really good players, Jair Alexander was the most valuable cornerback in the NFL last year, David Bach, and, and uh, obviously Devontae Adams, the most valuable non-quarterback in football last year. Without all those players, to beat an undefeated team on the road really, uh, you know, all the noise aside, it was a very uh, impressive feat.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of noise, but there was noise on both ends. Like, the Rasul Douglas interception was very lucky. But then again, they probably scored on that Aaron Jones drive on the other side or on that run, and then it was overturned. And, I mean, they had chances to to run away with that game and, and to pull away, and they just didn't. The Chiefs are the other half of this game. We're speaking with Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. Listen to the PFF Forecast pod. It's really good. PFF Eric on Twitter. Um, I came away from last night's game with more questions than answers. It was a very unsatisfying game. I was unsettled when I went to sleep. What, what were you thinking after the game last night?
2: Yeah, I think the same thing. I mean, the Chiefs defense has been so bad this year that when you look and say, oh, my, oh, you know, they've had, you know, a game where they gave up 10 to Washington, 24 to Tennessee, although that was a little noisy because it was 24 mm-hmm. uh, nothing, 27 to Tennessee, um, and then just 17 to the Giants. You know, that seems like positive, you know. Um, but the offense, you know, part of that is that the offense has slowed the games down and the offense hasn't been great. Um, and you saw that last night, you know, a turnover in the red zone, uh, another turnover in Giants territory, Travis Kelsey fumbling the ball. Um, you know, it's just off a little bit. I think some of it's noise. I think some of it is adjusting to a league where all the defenses are engineered to beat them. Um, the two high stuff, the Brandon Staley stuff, all of that is engineered to beat the chiefs and the Chiefs really have to adapt and, you you know, Patrick Mahomes has to be patient. It's very similar to the Rodgers stuff. I mean, you saw bad Rodgers, 16, you know, early 16, mm-hmm. you know, 18, 19. It was, you know, bailing out of clean pockets. It was not being patient with reads. It was, you know, uh, and ultimately that led to a not as great of efficiency on offense. And, you know, I think for them to succeed, the, the Chiefs really have to get back to, you know, running the football with runs, not RPOs. I think the RPO invested, you in a thick offensive line, the Green Bay Packers are a little bit soft on defense. I think you can run on them. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to bloody the nose and run the football a little bit. Uh, I also think you just have to throw the ball traditionally one, two, three throw and let your guys after the catch, make plays. You saw Nicole Hartman on the game winning drive, set it up with a long catch and run. And not for the freelance stuff, the offense. You know the, the the teams are are begging them to freelance at this point, and it's hurting the offense.
0: Yeah, hey, Dean Lowry is playing good. Don't be too disrespectful that defensive line. Northwestern guy Dean Lowry is, is having a heck of a okay. stretch here, so buckle in for yeah. <laughs> for that. Next and I think
2: week. part of the Packers part of the Packers it against the run is by design. I think they like to invite teams to run yeah. because you know that that makes for long yardage situations. If you can get a stop in the run game, it's generally speaking a, a smart play. But you know, a team that commits against them will sometimes get yardage on them that you know other teams
0: wouldn't well and the Giants were they were allowing the Chiefs to get six seven yards at a a time last night they're like go ahead and take it you're just not going to beat us deep and that's what more NFL defenses are doing so you tweeted out some numbers this morning and I was filling in on our morning show here in lacrosse and I did 10 minutes on this average depth of target in the NFL the Chiefs are in the bottom with the Lions the Vikings the Dolphins the Panthers and part of that is because teams want them to throw short right they're in this too high thing but then the the highest average depth of targets in the league, the Rams, the Bills, the Raiders, the Buccaneers, they're seeing a lot of the same defensive looks. So I guess I'm wondering if all of these teams, by and large, are facing a more modern defense, the Staley Fangio too high thing, which is very, that's kind of the way the league is trending. What are those teams doing well to push the ball down the field that the Chiefs just haven't quite figured out yet?
2: I think part of it is it's just, there's a little bit of arrogance on the part of reed where he's been the league's best play caller for years and he's you know not going to leave you know it's going to take and they traded for a run blocking tight end today which i think helps like i think will help signal a little bit of a change in philosophy um but a lot of that is that the other part is frankly the chiefs don't have as good of weapons as those teams that you mentioned right buffalo is a team that you know, they went out and got Diggs for a first round pick. They have Beasley, who's a great slot. They got Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Marquez Stevenson in the draft. Gabriel Davis in the draft. Like, they're a team that can really outflank you. You know, with Watkins gone and, you know, they tried to fill back back with Josh Ward, and it just hasn't worked. Um, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, they, they have Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. Uh, Scotty Miller's Packers fans know, you know, yeah. Godwin Evans, Antonio Brown. Like, the Chiefs just don't have that, and I think that that was one of the leaks when they went and fixed the offensive line. They didn't necessarily fix the receiving core.
0: Yeah, I think that number three wide receiver, or in the Packers, even number two wide receiver, it's very important, and I don't know if we talk about it and, and think about it enough. And Antonio Brown's a good example of that with the Bucks. Also, Jake Kumaro was with the Bills for a time. His impact probably lives on, even though I don't think he's still on the roster, a much deeper wide receiving core uh, than the Chiefs. Eric Eager, pro football focus. Uh, Packers didn't really make a move today. Maybe thought tight end. Is it egregious that they didn't replace Robert to same lines with your chiefs? I love a six rounder for Melvin Ingram way more than I love what the Rams did for Von Miller.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I don't like, you know, the chiefs giving up assets, you know, Brett Beach has never drafted more than six players in a draft. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I think that that's contributing to some of their issues depth wise on defense and stuff, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, that's a much better, I think value than Von Miller is. Now, they're not paying Vaughn up a second, second, and third. And at best, in the compensatory market, they might get a, a fifth-round pick back. They also traded a fourth-rounder for Sony Michelle. I mean, they're all in. And I think, as Packers fans know, you know, if you look back at some of these seasons, the 2010 season was not their year to win the Super Bowl. They were a 10-6 six, six seed. And the 2011 year was, right? And, and that's why we've never seen teams go back-to-back since the Patriots. It's like, you're to win the Super Bowl. When you're the best team in the NFL, you generally don't win it because of noise and so teams that engineer themselves to be the best team in the nfl are often um you know are often disappointed and it's okay if you do that if it's sustainable but it's just for a one-year spike of adrenaline then you know if the rams don't win the super bowl this year it's gonna be pretty bleak for them given you know what they've given up to get all the players they have
0: well yeah and you tweeted about this today too and i agree it's something i've talked about sometimes we overblow the trade deadline a little bit it's like ooh, that addition that the bucks made before the nba playoffs well pj tucker was nice but they won because Giannis was a monster and Chris Middleton hit big time shots, right? It's it's sometimes either you have it or you don't, and if you make that nifty addition at the deadline, that's great. But it's typically not going to be the move that puts you over the top. I think value wise, yeah, they're not paying Von Miller, but they don't have any already. Have any picks is that that is an arm and a leg. That is the definition of uh, of an arm and a leg for a player. Well, I'm Jack for Packers Chiefs mostly because I feel good about my Packers. But the last time I felt good about my Packers was when I talked to you before the NFC Championship game. And that did not go well. So I'm hoping uh, this game goes better. Oh, Eric! Before I let you go, Whitewater UWL both undefeated in uh, a UWL's having an amazing season. Are you going to be tuned in on Saturday, or do you have something going on more important? Uh, I'll, I'll tune in. I,
2: I, you know, I watch a lot of college football on Saturdays. That's awesome. They were not good when I was a professor at UWL. No. Uh, I'm really happy they turned it around. And the fact that they're even playing Whitewater in an undefeated matchup is, shows the uh, what you know the the depth, the uh, heights to which they've risen.
3: Yeah,
0: weak. Just a deep conference every week. It's just a war, Eric. It's it's a blast. Well, thank you for coming on, Packers Chiefs. Good luck to your Chiefs this weekend, and I appreciate having you, Eric. I'd love to have you back soon. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Yep, Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. The Pro Football Focus, uh, Pro Football Focus Forecast Pod. I gotta figure out a different way to say that because I misspeak it about fifty percent of the time. PFF Forecast like the weather forecast. It's great. And they mostly talk about gambling, but it's a different lens through which to view games, right? And it helps me kind of understand what matters and what doesn't in football games and trying to predict outcomes. It's like we obsess over these things. And when it comes down to it, if you have to take a team minus three and a half or minus four and a half, what really matters, right? What actually factors into these outcomes of who wins and who loses? That's at the spirit of gambling, right? Even if you don't gamble, It makes you a smarter football fan, and I just like hearing different perspectives. Eric is really, really good, and he's just a jaded Vikings fan, which is also kind of funny. Let's take a break. I want to compare Mahomes and Rodgers because Eric talked about how Mahomes made a career on freelancing for three years. Now he can't freelance, and he's struggling. Well, I think there's so many parallels between Mahomes and Rodgers. Rodgers 10 years ago, and now we're seeing it with Mahomes. I did some research today, some deep dives into 10 years ago. And into two years ago when the Chiefs first won their first Super Bowl, it's spooky how many comparisons and how many similarities there are between the Packers 10 years ago and the Chiefs right now. I want to talk about that coming up next. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Show. My name is Grant Bills. Big thanks to Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. Mike Clemens, by the way, will join us in an hour. I got this text from Derek. It's 608-796-2558. He says, come on, man. It's a sports talk radio show, not some Christian show. I've never heard more Bible thumping on any other show. What in God's green earth are you talking about? The intro? Yeah, it's because Eric dropped it for cripes sake, except he said took our Lord's name in vain yesterday, and to call him out on it, it was funny, so I put it in the intro, Bible thump, we don't Bible thump on the show, but to quote Mac from Always Sunny, uh, with God, all things are possible, so you can go ahead and write that down, Derek, thank you for the text, 608-796-2558, really quickly, Big Joe, Big Joe, what's going on? What's up, buddy, Here, you're always about positive vibes, though, right? Uh, I am?
2: Are, are you? That's what I'm asking. You. Are you always about positive vibes? Because you know I am.
0: Uh, yeah, you are. I, it depends on the day. I had to get up at 5:15 this morning, uh, so I've had I've struggled ooh, today, but ooh. I'm doing fine. Grant, but, I've been in Grant, I've been in school all day, dude.
2: I had to do uh, I had to do receiving training at work today, so I was in classes all day.
0: But I passed and got my receiving license. Hey, congrats, Big G. G-, 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 G- whatever whatever that might mean. Congratulations. That's good I've, to hear. I, I'm probably wanted by the Packers because I've heard they need receivers. Boom! Oh, that was <laughs> this may maybe been, been your best call ever. You brought it today, Big Joe. Yeah, could you receive kicks too? They, yeah, they lost their they lost their kick receiver too. Their kick returner. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Packers need a receiver. How long did it take you to come up with that that rate? That's great. It takes me a while. I write down my jokes before the show starts. So, <laughs> Oh, receiving school. Well done, Big Joe. We love, we love it when people call in to share their W's like that or text in. I love hearing that. Thank you. By the way, you can also tweet me at Wisco Grant. Did Big Joe tweet me as well? Typically, he's pretty thorough. No, we didn't. Uh, Just Jeff got some tweets from Just Jeff about Mahomes. I'm going to get to those in a few because that's what I want to talk about. Chiefs are struggling. I know they won last night, but they were some penalties and some bounces of the ball away from losing to Daniel Jones and Joe Headset Judge. At home on Monday night football. Joe Judge came out after the game is like, well, our headsets haven't been working at all this year. And then the NFL today is like, hey, we look the NFL that did a comprehensive review of the Washington football team and the malpractice going on there, dragged their feet, won't do anything, won't do anything about Deshaun Watson. But you say your headsets aren't working. They're on it in less than twenty four hours. Shut up, Joe Judge. You don't know anything. Just be better, man. Just be better. Oh my God. Chiefs are struggling. And it makes me think of the Packers, post 2011, post the 15 and one year. So, so forget about the 15 and one year. Forget about Aaron Rodgers' MVP year. After that year, that's when the issues started to arise. Think back to 2010, when Rodgers and Clay Matthews were on the podium. Remember what you thought in that moment, it's like that LeBron James presser, right? When you're like, not one, not two. Not three, right? We were just dreaming of what the next decade might look at. We're like, we're going to be back here a couple of times. We'll for sure get another Super Bowl out of this. They haven't even come close. They haven't even made it back to a Super Bowl. People are now saying very similar things about the Chiefs, or they were after they won their Super Bowl. And now we're seeing how this team, like the Packers, are aging. A year after that first Super Bowl, two years after that first Super Bowl is now we're in the second full season since they won that title over Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G and the Niners. I went back and I found a clip from Talk TV. This is FS1. Nick Wright, who I like. I don't always agree with, but I I like. This is him talking after his Chiefs, he's a Chiefs fan, won the Super Bowl about the possibility of a dynasty. Listen to what he's saying and tell me that we didn't say the exact same things about the Packers post-2010.
3: It's absolutely how a dynasty would start. You you get close Mm -hmm. the year before. You show all the makings of a champion. Have a little bad luck go against you. You use that experience to overcome massive odds against you in each of your three playoff victories. And, by the way, during the season. Patrick Mahomes suffered a major knee injury mm-hmm. midway through this year, and I'm going to do it again like I did two weeks ago. Shout out Matt Moore, who won that game against the Vikings without Patrick Mahomes' a playoff team, won the game against the Broncos, the game Mahomes went out. If he doesn't do that, none of this happens. The Chiefs don't get the bye. The whole world is different. I Listen, I thought the Seahawks were going to see the 90. I was like, man, you got a young quarterback. He's a star. you got an excellent coach. you got all these players around him. And it, man, with 59 minutes and 30 seconds left in their next year's Super Bowl, it looked like, yeah, yeah. this is going to be a I'm dynasty. You hand the ball off. That off play called by <laughs> Bevel. Right. I still don't get that. And, and so sometimes great. things look like they're going to be dynastic and they're not. But what the Chiefs have is the best player in the league by an enormous margin. He's mm-hmm. 24 years old. We thought too. Same thing. One of the three best coaches in football. We thought the same and thing. And Tyree Kill is locked up. We thought Travis that. Travis Kelsey is locked we up. We thought that. Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew are locked up. We thought My that. My guy, Chris Jones. I don't know if they're going to be able to lock him up. Sammy Watkins is probably going to be gone. So there will be changes.
0: We thought all of those things about the Packers, right? How, this is how a dynasty would start. Came up short in 2009. And then you have adversity in 2010. You have a couple of Matt Flynn starts, which is similar to what Matt Moore did that year, right? He came in and beat the Vikings. And Eric Eager referenced that. And that allowed them to get to 12 wins. And that allowed to, you know, propel them through the playoffs. All these sorts of things. Right? And by the way, Packers locked up a bunch of those guys. They brought back the same defense in 2011. They just sucked, which is kind of what we're seeing with the Chiefs. Chiefs brought back a lot of the same guys. They re-signed Jones. He made one play last night, but he hasn't been worth the money they shelled out for him. Now, they let Sammy Watkins go, but by and large, retained everybody else like the Packers did. But it just didn't have... The same juice. But we said all the same things about the Packers post-Super Bowl, as Nick Wright's saying about his Chiefs. And then this is the next part, and this is what really made me go, whoa. The
3: question I would ask is, if I were to ask America right now, over on Patrick Mahomes' career Super Bowls. Career. At two and a half. Anyone comfortable taking the under? No. No. Because I, uh. the three Super Bowls, if you win them in close enough successions, a dynasty, I I mean, I think he's going to pile get a handful of rings, and the real question is how many?
0: Two and a half Super Bowls. Set the over under and you're taking the over. Okay.
3: He might still get there.
0: The Chiefs might fix things. They might win one this year and next year. They might. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. But through eight games, they're four and four. We're seeing a lot of similarities on the Mahomes front and on the offense front because Kansas City's defense sucks, just like the Packers' defense sucked in 2011 after their Super Bowl. But just to speak to the offense of Patrick Mahomes, which doesn't look good, looks clunky, it looks out of sync. It looks misguided. It looked like Brett Favre in 2005, last night. The year that Mike Sherman then eventually got fired, and most of the coaches around him did as well. On the Mahomes front, I saw this tweet today, and I think this tweet gets going in the right direction, but it's not 100% true. It's from Dan Duggan. Who is this guy? Giants beat reporter for The Athletic. Okay. He said this. Chiefs offense reminds me of the end of the Warriors run. They've gotten bored because things came so easily. And now they've gotten sloppy and just can't flip the switch. Interesting to see how many times Mahomes ignored open receivers to force tougher throws. That's That was a Rodgers thing, too. Why are you passing down the open guy to make a harder throw? It makes no sense, right? What he's saying is interesting, and I think it starts a good conversation. But I don't think it's boredom that's beating the Chiefs. I think it's entropy. I think it's the roster decaying and things just breaking down over time. And Andy Reid losing a little bit. And Tyreek Hill losing a little bit. And Travis Kelsey maybe losing a little bit more than a little bit as we've watched. And the defense kind of falling apart, right? It's just entropy. The world gets less organized by the day. That's just a law of nature. It's a law of football as well. Defense breaking down, similar to the Packers. The weapons are getting worse. Think about Patrick Mahomes. His entire career, which is very young, he is only known playing football with peak Tyreek Hill and peak Travis Kelsey. What happens when the day comes where he doesn't have those? Now, Tyreek Hill is still great, but defenses have just basically said, you're not going deep on us. We refuse. We're going to put two safeties back there, and if you run the ball six yards a pop and throw the ball at eight yards a pop, we don't care because you're going to turn it over, you're going to try to take a shot, and then you're going to have to punt it or you're going to take a sack, you're going to do something stupid. You're not beating us with Tyreek Hill. And Travis Kelsey hasn't been able to make up the difference. And Patrick Mahomes has never played football under those constraints before. Will he figure it out in the future? Yeah, pr- probably. He's really smart. And he's really good. But right now, he's facing circumstances and variables that he's never had to face before. Because all he's known, Andy Reid best play caller, Tyree Kill unstoppable, Travis Kelsey best tight end, and the defense has been passable up until this point. It's not passable anymore. Travis Kelsey isn't good enough anymore. And defenses have said, look, you're not beating us deep with Tyree Hill. We refuse to let it happen. We'll let you beat us other ways, but you're not getting over the top. And similar things happened with Rodgers in 2010, right? He came into the league, plays 2008, 2009, 2010, and all he knows is football with prime Greg Jennings, prime Donald Driver, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, Jermichael Finley, Ryan Grant, who was tremendous. And then they draft Randall Cobb in 2011, and it's great. It's this embarrassment of riches from a weapons perspective. And Rodgers can play free, and he can roam, and he can extend plays and have fun and, and improvise because he knows that the horses on the outside are going to go with him. They're going to know what he's doing. They're experienced. They're dynamic. They're fast. They're strong. They're big. They'll make plays. Well, what happened two, three years later in 2015 when all of a sudden Jordy Nelson blows his knee and Jennings ain't there anymore and Donald Driver's done and James Jones eventually had to come back, but he wasn't the same guy. And obviously there's no Jermichael Finley, no Ryan Grant. Randall Cobb just wasn't quite good enough. And Devontae Adams obviously wasn't what he is now. Rodgers almost didn't know how to play. And the offense was clunky. And it was bad. The defense in 2015 was actually pretty good. You watch that playoff game against Arizona. We remember Aaron Rodgers not having a pot to piss in. And his only receivers were Abra and Jeff Janis. What I didn't remember until I rewatched that game last Wednesday to prep for the, the Arizona game the night after which was applicable because they didn't have any wide receivers in 15 or last Thursday, what I realized is, damn, this defense did a pretty good job keeping Rodgers and the offense in the game. Defense was pretty good in 2015. It was one of the better years in the last decade. Now it dropped off in 2016, and it dropped off from 2011 to 2014, but in the middle of the decade, they did some good things. But Rodgers and that offense just didn't have it because Rodgers realized, I can't just run around and make plays because Greg Jennings isn't going to be there for me. And Jordy Nelson isn't always reading my mind knowing where I'm going. And Randall Cobb ain't the same guy. And Devontae Adams just isn't ready. He's not good yet. He had to change how to play football for the first time in his career. And the Packers and the Chiefs both did similar things. The Chiefs are like, oh, we want a Super Bowl, uh, draft Clyde edwards Holaire. And the Packers are like, oh, we, we need a running back, draft Eddie Lacy in the second round. edwards Holaire was at the end of the first round. They've taken similar steps. But now Patrick Mahomes is going to have to realize, uh, I need to play within an offense. I can't just improvise all the time because defenses aren't going to let me and my weapons aren't on the same level as they were two years ago, three years ago when I was running around just breaking defense, playing jailbreak football for four straight quarters. And you saw it in the opening drive last night. You could tell before the game, Andy Reid said, hey, listen here, bucko. All right, I scripted these plays for you. They're going to go too high. You can't run around. You can't throw deep because this defense won't let you. You need to hit this guy here and this guy here, and you're going to check it down here, and you're going to hand it off here, and you're going to throw the swing pass here and let your wide receiver run after the catch. And what did they do? They marched right down the field. Patrick Mahomes last night started eight for eight, and then the wheels fell off. And how many times did we see that with Aaron Rodgers over the last decade? And credit to Matt LaFleur, as Eric Eager said when he joined us at 420, he has put Aaron Rodgers in structure. Sometimes it's still not enough structure for my liking, but it's better than it was at the end of the McCarthy era, and it's better than it was in 2019. Matt LaFleur has walked this tightrope beautifully of respecting Aaron Rodgers and what he's done and how good he is, but also telling him, look, this is the way you're going to prolong your career. This is the way we're going to run efficient, replicable, successful offense that can win back-to-back games in the postseason, that can win for four straight quarters and not just in brilliant moments in the two-minute drill. And that's the next step for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And it's so eerily similar to the process and the steps that the Packers took. The Seahawks, too. The Seahawks, now, different because the Seahawks won with Russell Wilson with an elite defense, not elite weapons. But Russell Wilson has gotten to the point where he's now special, and he needs to be reined back in, and Pete Carroll isn't the guy to do it. It's amazing how time kind of circles back, and history repeats itself, and sports are very cyclical. If you just pay attention and just remember things, it's this odyssey. And these storylines repeat themselves if you just know what you're looking for. And the Mahomes-Rogers comparisons, they're everywhere. Which, when Mahomes and the Chiefs started losing earlier this year, I licked my lips. Not because I want the Chiefs to lose, but because, as I say all the time, I like interesting things to talk about on the show. This is interesting. Comparing what the Chiefs are doing now to what the Packers were doing in 2013, and again in 2015, because there's peaks and valleys. Chances are the Chiefs will get good again, and then they'll take a step back or two, and they'll need to rebuild the roster. It's up and down, right? There's ebbs and flows. And right now we are in a valley with the Chiefs and they need structure. They need organization. They need to hone Patrick Mahomes in, which like we saw with Russell Wilson and like we saw with Aaron Rodgers, sometimes easier said than done. Let's take a break. Get to some of your texts. 608 796 Twitter at Wisco Grant. An update from Mike Clemens. Then I want to talk about the trade deadline. Really the only trade of significance that happened. I guess Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs is interesting. It's kind of fun. But Von Miller to the Rams, that's what I want to talk about. I've had a day to think about it. Now I have an opinion, and I want to share that with you coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers had a light practice getting ready for their road trip to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Last night, the Chiefs barely hung on to beat the Giants, 20-17 to on Monday Night Football. The Chiefs continued to lead the league in lost turnovers, with 19 giveaways so far. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we're still moving the ball and doing a lot of things great, but whenever you turn the ball over get a penalty and get pushed back, um, that, that kind of ruins drives. Packers linebacker zadarius Smith is back in Green Bay. After having back surgery, Matt LaFleur asked about how zadarius is progressing.
3: Yeah, I don't have much to update on Z. It was great to see him back in the building. Uh, he had a big smile on his face and You know, he seems like he's in a pretty good frame of mind, so we'll just take that one again. I think that's more of a week-by-week case.
1: And last year, tight end Josiah Deguara was off to a fast start as a rookie, lining up on the line of scrimmage, in the backfield, and playing special teams. Then he suffered a torn ACL, and Robert Tunyon went on to score 11 touchdowns. Now Tunyon, out for the year with an ACL, and it's Deguara's turn to step up.
3: Yeah, my heart hurts for Bobby, man. Um, Obviously went through something similar last year, so... You know, when he heard the news and and was uh, going through those emotions, you know, just offer my support for him. Tell him I love him. And any advice, anything he needs, you know, I'm here for him. And I know he's going to attack it and come back better than he was.
1: Best Packers
0: coverage. Mike Clemens at Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter. He'll join us in about a half hour at 530. Get an update on the injuries. And thank God, because the Jair thing, who knows? Rodgers is saying one thing. I hear other things. Zedaria Smith is tweeting about coming back, but yet LeFleur is like, well, we'll see. I don't know. It'll just be nice to get a baseline and clarify some things injury-wise. With Mike Clemens, he'll join us at 5.30. We're talking about Mahomes and Rodgers. I also wanted to spend just a few minutes talking about the trade deadline. Because yesterday, the Rams made a move for Von Miller. And on the show, I said, this is dumb. And I guess I hadn't even really thought about it. And I guess I hadn't really looked at it. And maybe I was speaking a little bit out of pocket yesterday. Right? And I'll admit, Rams are a Packers rival. So that probably impacts my take. Of course, I'm biased. Yesterday, I just liked it for financial reasons. Like, people forget about that part of the draft, right? You need draft picks to financially balance your team. And blah, blah, blah. That's kind of what I said. And now a day later, I've had more time to think about it. And I actually like it less now than I... Did yesterday, the move. Uh, The more I hear it, the less I like it. If you remember that that Drake clip with DeMar DeRozan. The more I hear it, the less I like it. The more I read about this trade, the less I like it. And yesterday we talked about the financial ramifications, which is one thing, right? Good players on a rookie deal. That's how you balance your team and that's how you afford veteran players. Elton Jenkins is averaging $1.6 million a year, yet he's one of the best offensive linemen in the league. But those were the financial and contractual constraints that were established in 2011 in the new CBA, so this is the world we live in, right? The Rams haven't had any first-round picks since 2016. Shout-out Jared Goff, right? It's like, uh, I don't even know if I can can make this reference. I think it was in Seinfeld, which means it's grandfathered in. Like, Jared Goff is the last draft pick the Rams had before swearing off draft picks. It would be like going on a date with a man, and then the man ended up turning gay like a month later, and you're like, man, what did I do? Like, that's how Jared Goff must feel. And again, I mean that in the most lighthearted way and not insensitive way. Like I said, I think it was in Seinfeld, so that means it's grandfathered in at least for another couple of years before Seinfeld probably gets canceled, too. Right? It's about finances. The Rams have seven players on the roster that average 10 million or more a year, six who average more than 15. And Von Miller is at the end of his deal that's 114 million bucks. He signed in 2016. Denver's paying most of that. He's off the books at the end of this year. So essentially, they're giving up a second, third round pick for a rental. And that's my problem. I'm not mad about the squeeze. I'm mad about the juice. You want to trade picks to go all in? Fine. But Von Miller, that was the best option? Really? Has he been that good? Von Miller this year has 28 pressures and five sacks. Ranked 19th in each. And he's 12th in pass rush win rate. For reference, Rashawn Gary has 37 pressures, and I don't know how many sacks, but a pass rush win rate that is third in the NFL, only behind Max Crosby and Miles Garrett. So you're telling me you gave up a second and a third rounder for a player who you will have for the rest of the season, and that's it. He's injury prone, and he has worse pass rushing metrics than Rashawn Gary. A second and a third rounder? And people say, well, they gave up the second and the third rounder because they're not paying most of the salary. Okay, how does that help them next year? (laughs) Oh, they didn't spend a couple million this season. Okay, well, they probably don't have the cap space to absorb it this season. I understand why they had to give up the extra picks because they couldn't pay him. Giving up the extra picks for Von Miller is not worth it. He's not that good anymore. And if I had to bet gets hurt and isn't available or is a superstar who lifts them to a Super Bowl, I'm betting injury non-factor all the way. Sorry not to wish that on the Rams, but whatever. Just the numbers. Let's hear from Zach Hyoper and keep talking trade deadline. Coming up next. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. There's worse swear words to drop on the air. But let's, hey, this is a family program. Christian program. We have a large evangelical audience. Let's not, let's not be doing that. This is where Wisconsin
1: gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant
0: Bills. So I don't know if you saw today, I've seen a couple of clips on Twitter. It's very weird. I guess there's a huge group of people that gathered, I think it's in Dallas, the site of the JFK assassination, because according to QAnon, or whatever conspiracy that is, uh, JFK was supposed to rise from the dead and join Trump on an election ticket for the presidency or whatever. Um, Idiots. They're waiting for someone to rise back from the dead. That's not the point. The point is, I'm wondering who's a bigger dummy. Someone that goes to Dallas to see JFK Jr. rise from the dead, or me, someone who thought the Packers might actually make a trade deadline move today. Because, of course, they weren't going to. Absolutely, they weren't. No, that's the least Packers thing in the world. Absolutely not. I think they trolled us all by releasing their long snapper today. They didn't have to do that today on trade deadline day. No. They were like, watch this. We're going to troll our own fans. They're watching their phones, waiting for a notification about someone being traded. How about we cut our long snapper just to fake them out? <laughs> Who's more dumb? Someone who thinks JFK Jr. is coming back or someone who thought the Packers were going to make a splash on trade deadline day? It's got to be close. It's 1A, 1B. I don't know if I can pick which one. Both are pretty damn stupid. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. One hour down, and what an hour it was. Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus was here. He is always superb. He is a Vikings fan turned Chief fan. So we were you able to ask him about the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and also look forward to this weekend's game? And Eric Eager also spent some time at the beautiful University of Wisconsin lacrosse, teaching math that is much higher level than I could even understand if I wanted to register for classes. Like, it's like, oh, what is this class? Uh, abstract geometry? I didn't even know of such a thing. Things like that. You can check that interview out in the podcast. It's really, really good. Um, if you missed it, I would recommend go listening to the podcast. A pretty good preview and a pretty good breakdown of the Chiefs and a statement on the Vikings and the issues that he believes that they have organizationally right now between Kirk Cousins and Zimmer and Spielman and all that. Before I forget, a programming note. Listen up. L- listen up. Okay? At 530, we're gonna lose some affiliates. Okay, because here in lacrosse, the Bucks pregame is gonna start. They play at six o'clock, which means the pregame starts at 530. And what I forgot is Sports Talk 1051 in Eau Claire, where we're also on, is the new radio home of the Bucks in 2021 in the beautiful Chippewa Valley, the 715. So that means at 530, if you're listening on WK2I or Sports Talk 1051, You're going to lose the show. Now, you can keep listening if you'd like, but you're going to have to listen on The Zone in Madison. What I would recommend you do is download the Odyssey app, like all three of our affiliates, and then you have all three of them ready to go at any time. It has a nice little dashboard. You can just click the one you want to listen to, bing, bang, boom. You can also go to madcitysportszone.com and just click listen live. That works too. But if you want to listen after 5.30, Eau Claire, lacrosse, you're going to have to do it on The Zone, which unless you live close to Madison, or I don't know geographically how it would work. You're going to have to stream it. MadCitySportsZone.com. I would recommend the Odyssey app as well. Super slick. 608-796-2558 is the talk and text line. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Let's start with Monday Night Football last night um, because it was so terrible. It was horrible. You know when you watch, like, Rutgers play Nebraska? Like, think of the worst Big Ten game possible. What would it be? Probably Illinois, maybe Illinois-Nebraska. It was a pretty terrible game earlier this year. Although Ben Kenny, producer of the Bill Michaels Show, I've seen him on Twitter arguing that is actually not that bad. They've been in every game they've played or something like that. So maybe my Nebraska takes are bad, although I don't think Nebraska is good, and I don't really want to hear an argument that they are. Who's the worst team in the East right now? In the Big Ten East? Should we look up the Big Ten standings? Big Ten standings. This is all for an example. This is a waste of time and much too elaborate. Uh, the Big Ten standings. So the worst teams in the Big Ten right now. In the East, it's Indiana. And in the West, it's Nebraska. Although Ben Kenny says they're not bad. So watch out, Badger fans. Imagine Nebraska, Indiana. And it's 11 o'clock and it's cloudy and it's rainy. And the teams are punt, 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 punt. You know how you just kind of get a headache watching a game like that? That was last night. Except it was the Giants and the Chiefs playing on ESPN, watching Monday Night Football just makes my brain hurt. They always show these uh, animations that they come up with. Last night, it was like this porch with a trick-or-treating pot, and in the trick-or-treating pot, there were like boxes of raisins and toothbrushes. And I swear to God, Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick were going to suffocate. They were laughing so hard. I'm like, you guys, no one's, but if you think it's actually funny, you're lame. And I don't think you think it's actually funny, which means you're just putting on a face. Can we just be genuine with each other? Like Steve Steve Levy, oh, 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 look at that. They put some raisins in there. How funny funny is that, guys? And they're like, oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, we're having fun. It's Monday night. It's it's a weird, wacky Monday night game. Shut up. Hurts my brain to watch Monday night football sometimes, especially when the game was that gross. But at least it was interesting. I would rather have a terrible game that's interesting than a boring game really has nothing to do, you know? Like, there's nothing I can talk about, nothing we can focus on. Couple of questions. I'll rattle through these real quick. I wrote these down during the game last night. Number one, why do we ever put the Giants on national TV? Not quite sure. I hate them. Sure, they're from a big market, but this is the thing about the NFL. You're going to pull good ratings no matter who's on. No matter who's on. You can do the same teams every week. We're going to watch. You're going to pull a number because football is that way. With baseball and with basketball, you're somewhat market contingent. Like, yeah, no one watched the Suns and the Bucks. No fake fans watched Suns and Bucks. Us real basketball fans enjoyed it because it was great basketball. But all the posers who just ride LeBron everywhere, they tuned out. Basketball, that's an issue. The NFL doesn't have this issue. Stop putting the Giants on national TV. By the way, Dave Gettleman, the last four years, the Giants' record after eight games. You ready for this? One and seven, two and six, one and seven, two and six. My God. And that's the team. That we're watching nationally. That's what are the children watching on Monday Night Football. That's on national TV. It's on cable, but still, it's national TV. (sighs) Giants are terrible. The Chiefs, when did the Chiefs become a bad watch? Earlier this year, they lost some tough games against the Chargers, but they were interesting. And they beat the, the Browns in a wild game, and they certainly weren't perfect, but it was interesting. They've gotten boring now. They've gotten painful to watch because Patrick Mahomes looks like Brett Favre in 2005. I'm not even sure the Chiefs are good anymore. I think they just might be kind of average. They might be kind of dumpy. I'm not sure. Who did the Chiefs? So the Chiefs have the Packers this week. What's the rest of their upcoming schedule? So they have Packers, Raiders, Cowboys. That should be an interesting 14 days. That should be fun. It looks like that game's on Sunday night, and then they're playing the Cowboys 325. So it looks like they're going to be Sunday night football and then America's Game of the Week, after being America's Game of the Week against the Packers. This is going to be great. We're going to get three games to really have a nice test to see how bad or average or good the Chiefs are. If they go 0-3 or 1-3, I think we'll have our answer. Another question. Is Travis Kelsey cooked? Is he washed? Because he doesn't look good anymore. He's getting pushed around by small corners. He's fumbling. He's falling over, and he's running the wrong route, and he's forcing Patrick Mahomes to throw intentional grounding balls. Is he done? Is he cooked? And I say that with all due respect because Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends to ever play the game, but is this how it ends? And yes, I'm a little upset about it because I own him in two fantasy leagues, but kind of thing will happen. I, sometimes I'm bad at fantasy football. Most of the time I'm bad at fantasy football. Another question that I have, and this is asked with a lot less respect because a lot less respect is due. What does Joe Judge do? What is his thing? What is his deal? He doesn't really do anything well. With a coach, like with Mike Zimmer, outside of a year or two, you could always hang your hat on. The defense is going to be good. It's going to be well-coached, at least by the end of the year. Maybe they'll have their bumps early on, or if they're young, they're always going to have a good defense. What can you hang your hat on with Joe Judge? He's a special teams coach, who has terrible special teams, bad penalties all over the field. They're being outscored 44 to nothing cumulatively on the season in the final two minutes of the first half, so they're terrible in the two-minute. What is he good at? And then last night, this is just beyond parody, in his press conference, he says, we've experienced issues with our headsets at every stadium this season, every single one, and this is what he
3: said. Every single stadium this year, home and away, I've had issues personally. Is
1: that your is it- Look, I, I don't know. Look, I, I don't want to make this all about headsets. We have things. I'd say this. Whoever's in charge of it, whoever the guys, who's who's, look, Jordan, I don't know the exact answer. I don't comes more through the league or us exactly, but they better fix it fast. Yeah, that's it. That's, uh, look, I'll get you all the details and stuff later on who does all that stuff. You know, we get the communication back. We say, hey, listen, these things have been an issue. And then we get told they've adjusted this, they've done this, they've done this, whatever it is. Like like I said, we try tried to adjust and use different hardware. It hasn't been allowed, so we'll keep on moving on. Again, look, I don't want to make this about stupid headsets. That's not what this is about. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the factor in the game. We've got to do other things on our own to make sure we have success.
0: What do you say at the end of a meeting when you're just trying to get out? You're like, yeah, I'll email you. The, I'll email to you. Just just get out of my office. Just, just get out of the Zoom. I'll email it to you later. Well, I'll get you the details. What, do you have a packet? Does he have a binder on headsets? Does I he have a packet? I've been conducting. I'm doing my own research on why these headsets aren't working. By the way, the NFL came out today, and they're like, "Nah, there's no issue. There's no league issue with their headsets. So it's user error or he is lying. Uh, Joe Judge, not good. Um, At least the Giants' last head coach was pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was Pat Shermer. He wasn't very good either. Well, before that, oh, yeah, that was Ben McAdoo. He might have sucked worst of all. Who took over for Tom Coughlin? There's another Giants coach that I'm missing. New York. This is on-air research, folks. New York Giants coaches. Was there someone after Coughlin and before McAdoo, or did they go straight to McAdoo? I want the list. Here we go. Doc Alexander coached the team in 1926. He went eight and four. He got canned. I wonder what happened. There must have been some off the field stuff. Anyways, fast forwarding. Oh, Steve Spagnolo. Oh, he was the interim. Okay, so it went Tom Coughlin to Ben McAdoo, and then Spaggs was the interim for five games, and then Pat Shermer, and then Joe Judge. So I wasn't really missing anyone. I was missing an interim. I was missing Spaggs. He sucks, man. Joe Judge does not seem to be a good coach. They 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 need a they need someone in New York. They've had a couple of bad coaches in a row. Once again, I, you might be a nice guy. I, I'm just looking at the evidence on the TV when I watch. They're bad in the two minute. They're bad on special teams. They had a pile of penalties last night. They had ten penalties for 88 yards. Right? They're they're bad in deciding when to go for it, and when to punt, and when to kick field goals. It's like, well, what else is left? Does he give a good motivational speech? I, I don't know. What else is there to hang your hat on? I don't know. I don't, I don't I don't know what Joe Judge does. I don't know. Whatever. Those are my thoughts on last night. Packers Chiefs this weekend is going to be fun. Daniel Sorensen is going to be made into Aaron Rodgers. Zippy the Piss Boy this weekend. Remember when Trey Waynes was on the Vikings? And this is when the Vikings defenses were pretty good. Like they had Xavier Rhodes and then Harrison Smith and Sandejo at the height of their power. And I think there's another safety I'm missing who is the other guy they let go, whatever. They had Daniil Hunter, and they had Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph, and that defense was just mean. Anthony Barr and Kendricks, that defense was nuts. And Aaron Rodgers would snap the ball, and he'd go, okay, where's, uh, where's Trey Waynes? I'm throwing at him. <laughs> like, where is he? Oh, over there? Okay, I don't Who's my receiver? I don't even care. I'm just throwing it up. We're going after Trey Waynes. Which, against that defense, is probably the best option. Was it good offense? No. But against a good defense, sometimes you got to pick the, the least... Of all the evils. I think Trey Wayne's was that. Daniel Sorensen this weekend. Oh, my God. Aaron Rodgers is going to put a laser sight on his helmet. It's like, where's, where's Sorensen right there? All right, throw it at him. Who's running the route? Dominique Daphne. All right, go up and get it. We're throwing a fade. Daniel Sorensen is going to be his whipping boy for this entire game. And he has been for weeks and weeks and weeks. He's just an offensive slump buster. Big play creator, Daniel Sorensen. Chiefs have also been turning the ball over a ton And the Packers' defense, I think you would call them opportunistic, which is basically the way that you say, well, this defense isn't very good, but they have some splash players, and if they get lucky, they can be pretty darn good. Well, the Chiefs have multiple turnovers now in four straight games. It's the longest streak in the NFL. It can be fluky. Turnovers come and go, and there's not always a lot of rhyme and reason to it. But the Chiefs have 19 turnovers in the league. That's more than the Jets, who have 15. The Dolphins, the football team, the Jags, and the Texans all have 13, right? So the Chiefs are just on another level with turnovers, and a lot of it's bad luck, but some of it is just offense that there doesn't really seem to be an idea of what's going on. That's when you typically make mistakes, right? Now, let's use a, a an example, right? You're driving. Sometimes people get unlucky, and they get in fender benders. It's out of their control, right? Completely. Like you're sitting at a stoplight, someone runs into your tailgate, they were looking at their phone. That's, that's not your fault. That's out of your control. Much of the same way Patrick Mahomes checks a ball down and it goes through the hands of his running back up into the air and an opposing linebacker catches it. That's bad luck. That's noise. That's out of your control. Sometimes somebody bumps into you in an intersection or you know, a deer runs across the road and you get in a fender bender, you get in a car accident, it's not your fault. However, if you're driving around and you have no clue where you're going, And you're looking aimlessly at street signs. You don't know, is this a one-way? Do I go left here? No, no, no. It's the next one. Oh, there's a stoplight. Oh, yellow light. Should I go? Should I stay? If you're driving around like that constantly, you're more likely to get in a fender bender. More likely to run into someone, to bump your car, to take a wrong turn and get a parking ticket. More is going to go wrong when you're driving around aimlessly. Right? The Chiefs are driving around. They have no clue where they're going. Patrick Mahomes doesn't know if he's supposed to take a right turn or a left turn. He doesn't know if this is a one-way. Can I park here? Oh, it says two hours. Oh, is there a meter? Oh, can I parallel in there? He, like, you're trying to figure out where he's going, and this is why the turnovers are happening. If they had more of an identity and more of a crisp, clean idea of where the ball is supposed to go and when it's supposed to go there, you still have turnover luck here and there because there's a deflected ball. There's a fumble that's out of your control, right? You trip or you get injured and the ball slips out. But, but these Chiefs' turnovers, they're just turnovers that are messy, because they have no idea what's going on. Mahomes is running out of clean pockets, and he's turning down open guys to make harder throws. That's just an environment that's more conducive for bad luck, right? You're almost inviting messiness and misfortune into your offense, and I think that's a big portion of why the Chiefs have given up so many turnovers. They have 19, and yes, some of that's luck, but man, 19, that's worse than the Jets, the Dolphins, the Jags, the Texans. Not all of that is luck. You just need to be a little bit smarter and a little bit cleaner. And when you watch these Chiefs, they, they're they not buttoned up. They don't really seem to have an identity. And that's why Andy Reid needs to say, hey, Mahomes, let's, let's go. We need to reel you in. We need to get back to the basics. Strip this thing down to the studs because we can't gas pedal our way through this. We can't improvise our way through this. Can't be leaving clean pockets. You can't be thrown into triple coverage. We need to get back to fundamentals. And I think that's where the Chiefs are. Hopefully they wait a couple of weeks until after they play the Packers this weekend. I'd like that. Send me your texts. We're talking Packers Chiefs, and we will be until we get to Mike Clements at 530 608 2558 Twitter at Wisco Grant. More of The Wisco Sports Show coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Go Sports Show. Mike Clemens is going to join us in 10 minutes. Some injury updates and some trade deadline updates, too. This is a good day for Mike to be on. A lot of logistical things that need to be covered. 608-796-2558 is the talk and text line. Jamie at Ken's Barbershop got me all lined up the other morning. Uh, He says, Harrison Smith, thank you. Big player on that Vikings defense that I forgot. Andrew and Nauburn, says, Grant, do you think people are overreacting to a near loss to the Cardinals? On one hand, we find ways to win. That makes us above average. On the other, we have, uh, who have we beat by more than seven? I feel like this one win is covering way too many sins right now. Um, I recognize the flukiness in the Packers' win. That pick by Rasul Douglas, even the pick by Devondre Campbell, or it was uh, Henry Black. Never mind. The Packers got lucky in that game. I also think they got unlucky. And they were on the minus side of some variants, especially in the red zone and on the goal line. I thought they were not, they didn't get unlucky. Like they had opportunities to get in the end zone. They simply could have been better and executed. Don't get me wrong. But that Aaron Jones touchdown that was then reversed, he was in. There was no angle that showed that he wasn't in. And they reversed it anyways. That's bad luck for the Packers, right? And if that just stands, which I think it does nine out of 10 times when I watch NFL games, Then the Packers are up 10, and it never comes down to a Rasul Douglas interception. And also, I think context is important for this game, Andrew. With all the injuries, that they they were missing 11 starters. I think even if they had lost that game by three, I wouldn't feel great, but I wouldn't feel terrible. Which, if they got blown out, I would have felt terrible. The big takeaway for me on Thursday night against the Cardinals was that Aaron Rodgers rolled in and realized, okay, I can't be Wild Wild West, um, Sheriff Bob, shoot him up, roll him out, freelancing quarterback I have to stay in the pocket get the ball here 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 hit this guy hit this guy because if I don't we're gonna get smoked every play was critical do you, do you understand when you are down 11 starters and when you're on the road on a short week in Arizona and you're what it was it, six and a half point dogs every play is important you miss one four yard throw to Amari Rogers now you're in third and ten without Devontae Adams Without some of your offensive linemen and your defense is undermanned, every play is under the microscope. And Aaron Rodgers realized that and treated every play with the requisite importance. That's huge. Because if Aaron Rodgers does that in the postseason and they get healthier, I, oh God, it's happening again. Oh, I'm going to buy into this team and this. Oh, my God, I can't believe we're doing this. That's what I focus on. I don't really focus on the Rasul Douglas interception or the red zone stuff, or the timeout stuff, because that stuff is fluky. The takeaway from Thursday night should be Aaron Rodgers understood the assignment and executed perfectly, A+. Uh, a couple of texts here, Duck and Holman and Mitch and Madison say, hey, you got to watch the Manning cast. I did a little bit. My I was watching with my roommate, and he had the main broadcast on. And typically, I like the main broadcast because I miss things if I don't watch it. But I have my laptop, and I had the Manning cast open. And what I realized is I just don't really give a damn about Jon Stewart or Michael Strahan. I don't really care about the the Giants and New York sports fandom. Other games I was locked in when Brady was on and when they were talking about other teams and other things, I just don't really care about the Giants. I had the Manning cast on, but I didn't pay nearly as much attention to it. Um, Steve Malay, I think that would make a good poll question. Yeah, uh, my poll question. Maybe we'll use this tomorrow morning. I'm in for Dave and LaCrosse again, and we'll need a poll question. Who's dumber, right? The person who thought that JFK Jr. was going to come back from the dead? at 105 years old or whatever today in Dallas or the people who thought that the Packers were going to make a big splash trade. Both equally as unlikely. Schmidt on the north side doesn't like that I brought politics into the show. He says, I'm canceled and that he's reporting me. I don't know who you're going to report me to. Godspeed in your quest. Todd in Eau Claire says, you said Harrison Smith. Don't let Jimmy tell you differently. I, I thought I did too. Who was the other safety? Anthony Harris. Was he there in 2017? He was another safety I was trying to think of. And then there was Sandejo, who was a hard hitter. They had a lot of important players on that team that played specific roles. That defense was nasty. And Aaron Rodgers rolled in and said, hey, where's Trey Waynes? I'm going at him. That's my mission today. And I think his mission will be similar against the Chiefs. Where's Daniel Sorensen? Where's the weak linebacker? Because that defense has soft spots. In a way that Arizona really doesn't. Arizona, Cincinnati, similar defenses in that they don't really have one huge weakness. Right? They're they're pretty good everywhere. The Chiefs have, I mean, Teron Matthews great. And I guess Chris Jones is pretty good. But other than that, there's soft spots to be exploited everywhere on that defense. Aaron Rodgers is going to be picking and cleaning. And now, if Lazard and Adams are healthy, he'll have weapons to do it. He'll be like, all right, how do we get Devontae Adams against Daniel Sorensen? That's how we win. How do we get Aaron Jones in space against these guys who can't tackle? How do we get A.J. Dillon with momentum running away from the better defensive lineman, right? They can start using they get their weapons, their chess pieces to attack the defense and the defense's weaknesses. And that's I am super excited to watch because Mallifleur's a tactician, baby. And if Aaron Rodgers buys into the tactics and, and the ideas in which, right? It would be like uh like you have you got Chris Kyle on your team, right? And Chris Kyle's in your, your little infantry and you're going through the streets of Kabul or whatever, not to make light of war, but this is just the example I thought of, right? It's like you have Chris Kyle. You have the best marksman in the world. This dude can rip, right? And you also have this general who's brilliant and understands strategy and the ins and outs and exactly what needs to happen. And then Chris Kyle's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I was like, no, right? You need to be working in concert. They have a tactician of a coach. They have these great weapons. They need Aaron Rodgers to buy in like he did on Thursday and they should really be able to do some damage against that Chiefs defense. Okay, we're going to take a break, talk to Mike Clements. A reminder, for those of you listening in lacrosse and in Eau Claire, the Bucks broadcast is about to take over at 5.30, and if you would rather listen to that, I'm hurt, but I understand, okay? But you can keep listening. You just got to pull up the stream on The Zone in Madison, madcitysportszone.com. The Odyssey app is really a slick way to listen to different all of our different affiliates as well. So if you're on KTY or uh, Sports Talk 105.1, it's about to drop off. Catch us on the zone. Mike Clements is going to join us coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.